Good afternoon, you. How are you doing this Tuesday? Are you well? It's glorious here in Salford. It's absolutely beautiful. It's been pretty cold, though, but it's beautiful. It's been a wonderful day. It is uh, the 25th of April, 2023. I'm the BBG. Yes, it is he. Looking forward to your company today. Get in touch with me via the message option on the brand new app or via the usual way, website richieallen.co.uk. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen Show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host... Richie Allen. Yes, the host with the least. Richie Allen with you until 7 o'clock. A little bit later on today, I'll take your telephone calls and your Skypes if you'll be kind enough to phone me or Skype me. That's what I'll do. I've had a mental day, really. It's been so mental, it doesn't even warrant discussing. But I'll discuss it anyway, just to fill for 20 minutes. I'll tell you how bad it was. A bit of a sonic disaster in the studio here. There's a great Paul Ripley from Fab Radio and the wonderful Mark from Broadcast Radio in Hull have spent pretty much the entire day getting it, it sorted it's, uh, one of, it's just been one of those days but it's nice that it's one of those days that came after a week's holiday so I'm much better able to cope with it you see I didn't lose me shite basically I just got on with it so yeah it's been a mad old day but on air I'm glad to be with you as always do please use the app and every time I say to you to thee would you mind leaving an owl review for the app? Well, sure, God, don't you only come through good style and you've been leaving reviews for the app if you have a mobile device and you are. It is possible for you to download an app. Well, do please download the Richie Allen Show app and send a message through it. And I've also updated the schedule function. Oh, God, it's rocking and rolling now. <laughs> I bet you Sky News are shitting themselves when they look at the Richie Allen Show app. I bet you Care Birdie in the morning over her Weetabix is like, Jesus, we thought we had a good app. Just look at that Baldy Gammon's app. Tongue is in cheek. My app is very basic. But it does what it says, doesn't it? What it's supposed to do. What it purports to do. It allows you to listen and you can you can send me a message. Annie. Ah, oh, well, yeah, just a nuts day. Do you, you ever have a day like that? Everything that could go wrong, did go wrong. But I'm just going to shut up a bit now and get on with it. I can't wait to see the back of this day is something I don't mean because this is my oasis. Chatting with you is my oasis from the madness. And that I mean. So thank you for being there every afternoon. Hey, listen, government ministers who had anything to do with the COVID response might be in fact, will be required to hand over their WhatsApp messages to the public inquiry, which has yet to hear from a single witness two years after the inquiry was announced, would you believe? That's right. Now, you will be aware that Isabel Oakshot, journalist in inverted commas, she ghost wrote. She was Matt Hancock's ghost writer. Matt Hancock produced the most wonderful bit of fiction, utter garbage about how he saved the world, or at least England, during the COVID pandemic. Matt Hancock, there's never been less of a man in the history of mankind than Matt Hancock. What an absolute wretched waste of space he is, right? Matt Medazolam 
Hancock, we will make sure if he dies before us, we will make sure that we will deface his headstone. Oh yes, we will deface that bastard's headstone. And we will keep changing it to read Matthew Midazolam Hancock in memory of everybody who was basically killed in a care home or in a hospital when they could have lived for maybe many years or at least many months afterwards. Matthew Midazolam. So he had his memoirs curated by Isabel Oakeshott. And then the treacherous bitch, what did she do? She gave all of the WhatsApp messages that he shared with her so that she could write his memoirs. She gave them to the Telegraph newspaper. Yeah. And they revealed squat. Absolutely nothing. Apart from him being a bit of a pompous arsehole. Laughing at and taking pot shots at people who found themselves in quarantine having decamped from airplanes at Heathrow and whatnot. So a bit of an arse all round. Then he went into the jungle. So, it is being reported today that Baroness Hallett, who is heading up the COVID inquiry, that she said, yes, yes, we will be getting the communications from anybody in cabinet or any minister, anybody with any responsibility. We will get all of their WhatsApp messages to see what uh, went on during the pandemic response. She said it is her determination that no stone will be unturned in relation to exchanges via WhatsApp. It doesn't matter. Even those who deleted them, none of their WhatsApp messages will give us a real clue or at least give the, the wider public a real clue or a genuine clue as to what went on. You and I, of course, well, we suspect what went on, don't we? We also know, I think, you and I, is that Matt Hancock wasn't really in any genuine position of responsibility. But he did have a human responsibility, you know, to stand up to it. But he didn't. So more on that maybe as we as we go along. Now, Kathleen Stock is a name that has popped up on this programme once or twice in the last couple of years, the academic who fled this country and is now living in... Where is Kathleen Stock living? I think she might be living in Houston. Is it Texas? Houston, Texas. Yes, she is the um, gender-critical feminist and she was invited to speak at the Oxford Union to go there, the debating society, to talk about her gender-critical views but the university's LGBTQ plus society has urged the Oxford Union to rescind its invitation to Kathleen Stock. They've dubbed the invitation misguided. You are very misguided there. Why? Well, you've invited this woman to come and talk about her, her, her views on, on gender identity. Yes, we have. Well, you were very misguided. Why? Well, because that's going to hurt the feelings of some LGBTQ++ people. Well, fake off then. You don't have to go. You don't have to listen. Yes, but her very presence on campus is going to cause us to melt down awfully. So they're pissed off. But apparently Oxford Union is standing firm. The Oxford University itself is standing pretty firm and is saying, uh, well, no, she will be allowed to speak if she does indeed travel and turn up at the university. Um, Kathleen Stock has said that trans women are women, which is a mantra these lunatics are 
spouting all the time. She says it's fiction. Of course it's fiction. Trans women or trans woman is gibberish. I've said this many times myself over the years. Not that I'm important. I'm no academic. But it's gibberish. It's nonsense. It doesn't mean anything. Men are not women and never will be. So she argues those Kathleen stock that spaces where women undress when they take off their clothes and spaces where women sleep should remain single sex and those women shouldn't have to worry about some hairy old bastard with a wig on him and lipstick turning up and uh, jumping into the bed beside them basically. She's kind of right there but the trans activists have said that she's hate speech and that um, if you listen to her well you are guilty of transphobia. Uh, Tanya Buxton is a talking head there are many of them these days here she is speaking to GB News about this issue. There are other members of the panel. You will hear other panel members weighing into Tonya Buxton. Now, this woman was a professor. She resigned. She was at the University of Sussex and she resigned because of the trans hate that she was getting. She is a married lesbian professor and all she states is that women's spaces should be women's spaces. They, sh they shouldn't have trans people in it. And because of that, her life has exploded. She had to resign. She's now actually left the country. She's Isn't a visiting fellow at the University of Austin now. And she's coming back to talk at the Oxford Union. And mm. um, you know what gets to me is she's going to the debating society. Yeah. So, I mean, what does a debate mean? I mean, they're, they're saying that she, they're dismayed and appalled uh, that she's going to go and have a conversation, a debate. Surely we would debate with the most... I mean, I don't think she's hateful. I think what she says is perfectly reasonable. But, but I would she, debate... Even if it isn't, even if it was, she's allowed to make her point and have a debate. Exactly. Isn't that the whole point of debating? Particularly at universities. Nigel, isn't that right? You know, I, I, look, we're, on the, we're on the same side on this one. No, absolutely. We're on the same side of this one that um, this is a matter of free speech. She should be able to have her say um, whether one agrees with it or not is a different matter. Yeah. It is the LGBTQ society at the university which is saying they don't want her and want to no-platform her. In fairness to the Oxford Union, they're saying no, uh, free speech trumps the idea of uh, trying to cancel somebody and she will be invited and welcome. Why should the LGBTQ whatever community have the power or the influence or the sway to try to stop somebody? Well they don't. And it the man asking the question there is Andrew Pierce. Andrew Pierce is a Daily Mail columnist. He's now working for GB News and he happens also to be a gay man. In this case they, they don't have it because the Oxford Union has the power. What, they, what they're doing is they're calling for yes. it. Um, my view is that is a mistake. You, that, that, um, I mean I would love to hear her speak. I'd like to hear, I, I don't think I would agree with her views sure. but I want to hear what they are and surely <laughs> students of all people ought to, ought to listen to what they are. Yeah, why wouldn't you agree with her view that trans women are not really women. I mean, that's pretty self-evident, isn't it? 11 minutes past the hour, Tuesday's Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on Fab Radio 2 in Manchester, but also around the world on the, the brand new app. And we're also on TuneIn.com too. We're everywhere is where we are. Okie doke. Brexit is back in the news. Bre well, I suppose, when has it not been in the news? Some MPs took part in a debate at Westminster last night, which lasted for three hours, right? Because 183,000 people signed a petition calling for a public inquiry into the impact of leaving the European Union. Strange that, isn't it? Andrew Bridgen calls a debate, or calls for a debate, on the 
COVID vaccine rollout and the harms caused by the COVID vaccine rollout. If I remember, he had about five or six people there, maybe ten tops, right? Three-hour debate held yesterday because some MPs are not happy with Brexit and they want a public inquiry into the impact of leaving the European Union. Now, yes, the debate was sparked by the 183,000 signatories to the petition. Yes, I know that, but these MPs were backing this all the way in any case. Now, the government has said that Brexit was a democratic choice and said there will not be a public inquiry. These MPs are branding it a disaster and an error and are comparing Brexit with the COVID pandemic, amazingly. Basically blaming or, or they are juxtaposing, that's the word, juxtaposing the, the impact of COVID and saying that the impact of Brexit is just as bad. And they've quoted these economists who have been on the BBC quite a lot saying that the economy has shrunk because of Brexit and that uh, they've quoted a guy called Richard Hughes, the chairman of the Office for Budget Responsibility. He told the BBC that Brexit had been similar to the COVID pandemic in its impact, saying that Brexit will lead to a 4% reduction in the potential productivity of the UK economy with the reduction building over time with the full effect felt after 15 years. 13 minutes past the hour. Watch that one. I don't see there's much mileage in Brexit for the architects of the tyranny that we are watching unfolding. I don't think there's an awful lot more to be squeezed out of Brexit. Maybe the Great Reset folks and the technocratic building or the technocratic builders, the technocratic society builders of maybe... Maybe they won't revisit Brexit. Maybe they will. People who listen to this programme, some people who listen to this programme are convinced that they will return to Brexit at some stage in the future and try to return the UK to the single market and try to restore freedom of movement. You might be right. I'm not sure. Maybe they've exhausted that one and maybe climate is the way forward now, maybe. I don't know. Robert Darwall is the author of a book called Green Tyranny. And he he he's he has seen through the climate agenda nonsense. And he wishes that the young people who do believe we are in the midst of climate Armageddon, he wishes that they realise, these young people, that the doomsday scenarios they are screaming about have in fact been peddled for decades, and yet we are still here and we are not living under 10 feet of water. Robert Darwall, researcher and author on Talk TV this morning with Julia Hartley Brewer. I mean, there's been a whole, um, there's been decades of forecasts of a climate apocalypse. And of course, we're still here. You know, a lot of these uh, forecasts, I mean, they, they date back to the first Earth Day in 1970. And... Generally speaking, the forecasts are forecasting climate apocalypse 20 years away. So a lot of these forecasts have expired. And the funny thing is, we are still here and the weather is still like the weather, you know. Oh, no, no, no. We're we're in the middle of climate apocalypse and climate catastrophe. Didn't, have you not read the BBC lately? Yeah, I mean, the climate emergency, climate crisis has been going on for decades. And you then have to, you have to ask yourself, what is a climate crisis? Uh, as I say, the, the, the great thing about this climate crisis has been, or, or climate uh, climate change as a scare, which it is, is that it, it's 
the forecasts are always in the future. Unlike acid rain, when you could go out and look at the trees and see actually the trees were still there. It's always in the future. But the thing is, it's gone on for so long now, Julie. We can actually see that the forecasts of apocalypse mm. are wrong. Well, well, I mean, it's difficult to remember, isn't it? Because when you go through the forecast revision in the 1970s that we mm. were going to be facing another ice age, uh, and then, then, of course, it was, you know, massive global warming, and then it became climate change. It was about it was mm. about volatile weather. And, and it, it changes, it, whatever the stats show, it just changes again but again this whole the oceans are rising temperatures are going up well yes they do that when you come out of an ice age a mini ice age as we are doing we would expect that but nothing like at the rates that we're told but every single bit of extreme weather um you know i've got a load of bank of tv screens right in my studio one of them showing extreme weather uh, unprecedented 40 degrees celsius temperatures predicted uh, for large parts of spain well yes for april it's not normal weather but it's happened before, but we're often told since records began, those records nearly always began sometime in 1983. The, uh, yeah, that, that, that's correct. The, the first climate conference in, in 1988, the Toronto Climate Conference, uh, said that climate change would be second only to a global nuclear war. Now, can anyone hand on their heart say that these extreme weather events are are akin to a global yeah, nuclear war. It was war. a bit uncomfortable last summer. I, I bought a new fan. Yeah, for, it was for, what a, a period of a couple of days. In two, you know, there were a couple of days, and then another couple of days of, of very warm days. Particularly in London, it's not very comfortable. You know, it's not very nice. But that, you know, we can live with that. We can live with that. I do remember that last August, we did have about three days of unbearably warm weather. Unbearably warm because we are not used to it. I used to live in Spain along with my great missus. And we got, sometimes we had extraordinarily warm weather in, even in March, April, May, sometimes it didn't get to 40 in April, but sometimes it got very, very warm. That's how it is. Keep these messages coming in via the the app and also via the website, please. I do love hearing from you. You're Richie Allen Show live, 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 live. It's always live at 18 minutes past the hour. Let me read a couple of these messages. Karen Hughes, how are you doing, Karen? Karen made me laugh today. Uh, through the app, she says, I'm new here, even though I've known about you for quite some time. She's known about me. Just want to say it's as if you are thinking my thoughts a second after I think them. Telepathy is going on there, Karen. Love your show. You make me snort with laughter. I will be carrying a pair of black leather gloves in my back pocket from now on just so I can slap stupid people. Just when you do get arrested, Karen, please don't mention my name. Mark messages me. Mark says, did you hear Biden saying today about all children belonging to the nation, not to parents? I didn't, Mark. Is that a direct quote? Is that a verbatim quote? Did he say that? Look, we've known that this is an idea. It's been around for some years now. You know, the children and the raising of children is the responsibility of the community and then laterally the, the state disempowering parents. Yes, that's not new. Did Biden say that? What exactly did he say, if you don't mind? Uh, Christopher asks, is the app going to ask me if I'm enjoying it like Kay's does? I don't believe Kay Birdie has an app. And I certainly don't believe that um, Kay Birdie would say anything like that. Uh, Straight Gay from Gary Owen says, there's a rumour going around that the real reason Tucker Carlson abandoned Fox News is because they couldn't match 
the sophistication of the Richie Allen show app. Now, that makes an awful lot of sense to me, to be honest. Hi to Lady Mole, who has just downloaded the app. James Brophy has been in touch. Hi, James. He says, Richie, I enjoyed the show with Tony Gosling yesterday about Sudan. This is the Americans on steroids, Richie. With the Russians in Sudan and Ukraine off the news, uh, I'm still listening, driving my electric 23 uh, bus in Glasgow, by the way, imported from China. And he says, say hello to John from a fellow Scotsman. It's James in Glasgow. Uh, Tony Gosling believes that a deal, a, a, a deal to do with, 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 with access, Richie, Richie just start again. I told you it's been one of those days. My brain is fried. It really is. I can barely place one word in front of the next one in this monologue. I mean that sincerely. I'm, I'm relaxed and refreshed after my break. But today's been mental. My brain is fried. Yes, Tony reckoned a deal. We, re- we read a little bit about this, didn't we? That the Sudanese and the Russians were coming to an arrangement to give the Russians access to a port in Sudan. Yes. And the Americans couldn't have that. And they've gotten involved. Now, the official version of what is happening in Sudan is this, is that the military was due to hand control back to a civilian government. But then the military became split on this plan, with a general saying, no, we should um, continue to be in charge for the time being. And another general saying, no, we should hand power back to a, an elected civilian government. And, and since then, we've had this fighting. That's the official version. There are others like Tony Gosling who say it's the deep state in action. They might be right. Yes. Steve James says it's a trans man purporting to be a woman, isn't it? Fair enough. Be whatever you want to be, but don't go on about it. Hi to Bob in California. Hi, Bob. Brexit, uh, says um, Andy, is a convenient excuse for the economic disaster of the last three years. Thank you for that, Andy. Now... Speaking of Tucker Carlson, isn't it amazing that somebody brought him up? Um, Let me read you this from the BBC website, Tucker Carlson. Yes, we had a nice balanced conversation about Tucker Carlson yesterday, didn't we? Look, he um, has been the highest rated cable television host in the States, right? Beloved of conservatives. He's left Fox News. They said Fox News yesterday that the company and Carlson had agreed to part ways. No real reason given for this. His last programme was on Friday. The Los Angeles Times is saying that they've been in touch with people who know what's going on and that Rupert Murdoch and his son Lachlan Murdoch took the decision to fire Tucker Carlson. I don't know. Does it Does it matter? Well, it might matter because... A lot of talk about this today, even in the UK media. So his programme dealt with immigration, critical race theory, racism, gender identity, sexuality, wokeism, and his programme was popular because he was taking on these issues, speaking about the culture wars. Now, this announcement that he was leaving came pretty quickly after Fox settled a defamation lawsuit from the company Dominion over um, things that were said about Dominion on Fox News relating to the 2020 presidential election. Fox News took the position that the Dominion voting machines were fixed and that when people were 
pressing a button to vote for Donald Trump. The vote was going to Joe Biden. There was no evidence of this whatsoever, none. And uh, no evidence that the machines were rigged. And it transpired that Tucker Carlson himself believed that this was a nonsense story, but yet he said it, or he put it out there on air and all of that. Here is Tucker Carlson uh, speaking to uh, BBC America, would you believe? I'm trying my very hardest to tell the truth. And when I screw it up, I correct it immediately. If it's a factual error, when my views on things change, I say so. I don't pretend I didn't used to think that. I admit it. I mean, it's hard for me to lie about it anyway, because we have YouTube. Um, but I just, as a matter of conscience, try and do that anyway, and I really try my hardest to tell the truth. I mean it. Do you, do you feel that you're... You're not going to catch me lying. I mean, you'll definitely catch me making mistakes. I mean, I do five hours live every week, but you will never catch me lying on purpose that I, I don't think. I mean, if you can find an example, throw it at me. But I really try to tell the truth. Now, I don't say everything that I think. There are a lot of truths. I don't tell them all. There are a lot of truths. I don't tell them all. You know, I leave some out. I shade things. And when I get pissed, I do tend to, you know, overstate. And I, and my, as my wife is always reminding me, and I regret that. So you're a grifter then. But I don't lie. I'm sure you've told a few lies. You, you were working for Fox News after all, Tucker. But th- this is interesting. Like I said, this has been picked up big, big time by the UK media. Listen to a caller, a caller, not James O'Brien, but a caller into James O'Brien's radio show today. So when Tucker was kicked off yesterday, I actually wasn't surprised because of how Rupert Murdoch works. I did a little dance around the kitchen, I'll be honest with you. Um, However, within hours, as you've been saying, the conspiracy theories of what's going on and what's happening... It all started to unravel, and of course, then they were talking about Don, Don Lemon on uh, going on CNN, etc., using the the yin and yang of, of that sort of mm. position. However, I go back to the point of the last eight years. Whilst it terrifies me what's happening in America, and I have friends who go, "Why are you so bothered? Why are you so interested?" But because whatever happens on that world stage in America does affect the world. Look how it's influenced the UK, for example, and how. The, 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 the UK yeah. conservative government. Well, I've really seen conser- I've seen conservative. I think I've seen conservative politicians use the phrase "cultural Marxism," haven't I? In, in whereas yeah, you, you have indeed, and you that, have that indeed. is that's an anti-Semitic trope right up there with. Wow! So James O'Brien has heard people use the term "cultural Marxism," and he says it's an anti-Semitic trope. So if you talk about cultural Marxism, which is a real thing, right? Anybody who's studied history knows this. Uh, to mention cultural Marxism, you, you really mean the Jews, and therefore you are anti-Semitic. And whereas, yes, you, you have indeed. And that, have that indeed. is that's an anti-Semitic trope right up there with puppet masters and, 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 and the rest of it. The way Farage talks about George Soros, the way he flies over to Fox News to get his tummy tickled or to, to do whatever it is that he does for Donald Trump. We've never been entirely clear, but it has leached over the Atlantic, hasn't it? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I am kind of, but then I'm not, because I know that Nigel Farage, just like James O'Brien, is a grifter. Of course, Farage is a grifter. If Farage was not a grifter, he would sue James O'Brien and he would probably win. Because O'Brien is effectively called Farage an anti-Semite because Farage sometimes mentions George Soros on his GB News show. And he, Farage mentions Soros on his GB News show for the same reasons that Tucker Carlson will talk about critical race theory and gender identity the same reasons they're grifters. 
they don't really mean it, but it's a bloody good gig, you know. You know, selling people what they want to hear is a very easy business to be in. And I reckon guys like Carson, Farage, uh, Dan Wooten on GB News, we could name them. They're very good at it. And sadly, most people, at least most people I know, they get sucked into it. And all they're interested in is the message. Oh, well, I love the message because I agree with all of that. Yes, but what if the person giving you the message is really just a grifter? And they're part of an agenda to keep you stagnated, to keep you standing in quicksand, where you'll never really do anything for yourself because, well, oh, Tucker's looking out for me, isn't he? And RFK Jr. is looking out for me too. That's how I see it, 28 minutes past the hour. Grifter, but maybe not. What do I know? That's just my opinion. This is your Richie Allen Show. You can have your opinion in a moment. I'll be taking telephone calls and Skypes. If you'd like to see the meme, go to the Facebook page, go to the website and just scroll down on richieallen.co.uk and you will see the meme with all the details. But here are the details in any case that you need if you'd like to call me. First time callers, very welcome please. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And Donald Trump, of course, is probably the greatest grifter of all time. He fooled millions and millions of people. Did Donald Trump that he was on their side, that he wanted to take down the deep state. He fooled millions, maybe tens of millions of people. And because they love the message, because everybody, why, why would you not love the message? Unless you knew that Trump was a bullshitter, which I knew, of course. And I said back in 2015 and 2016 and 2017 and 2018. But the message, it's great because that's what you want to hear. Of course, Trump becomes president, delivers on none of it. Remember day one? I don't want to hurt the Clintons. They're good people. No, they're not good people. The Clintons are murderers. Traffickers of children. Bill Clinton is a rapist. They're not good people, Donald. And, and, and I went to the ballot box to vote for you because you said you were going to put her in prison. Yeah, but they're good people. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, um, I should probably shut up. You can take me on, by the way. Take me on if you want. I'm a good guy. I don't do that passive-aggressive thing. I don't do that shouting people down or trying to embarrass you or cutting your mic off. I don't do that either. This is an open forum. We can have a chat about these things. If you're a Donald fan, a Tucker fan, and you're all upset because I haven't seen the light and I don't believe that they're amazing, come on and chat with me in a few minutes when I tell you. When I tell you this is my show, it's your show. Thank you for listening to it. So Carson, yeah, he'll be back. He'll be back. Somebody else will give him a gig. And if not, he'll do a podcast and it'll be picked up on Spotify and iTunes and Rumble and he'll do very well. If you miss Tucker, don't worry. He'll be back on your computer before you can say Tucker, I suppose. Interesting that, James O'Brien, eh? Cultural Marxism. You're you're an anti-Semite. Love the culture wars. They make me laugh. Narinder Kaur or Kaur, K-A-U-R, is an actress and a talking head, often to be found on panel shows, talking about politics. She isn't happy with the St. George's flag. Not happy with the St. George's flag. Not happy at all. Uh, apparently it's been hijacked by far-right types. And English people have absolutely nothing to be proud of. So if you are English and you are listening to me today, you bollocks, you've got nothing to be proud of, you pommies. 
Are the Australians the pommies? I told you I've had a mental day. My, my brain is gone. It was all I could do to, 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 to pull my right hand back from the Bacardi in the sideboard at quarter to five. It was all I could do. Such a day I've had. Eugene Levy. What a week I'm having. What a day I'm having. So uh, you English people have got nothing to be proud of, says Narinda Carr, who is a British Asian, I think. I hope I've not misrepresented her and her identity. Not that I give an arse. Here she is. Portrait the St George's fund. You know, we should have national pride. I, I feel that every Englishman and woman should feel proud, but we can't feel proud when that flag has been hijacked by far-right groups. Mm. And what it actually represents is this ideology that by some virtue of a piece of cloth that we are superior to other nations. And it conveniently forget our history of slavery links, of colonisation, and a history of genocide and everything that we've built up. And most countries that celebrate Independence Day, because I've seen a lot of people on social media saying, well, Ireland celebrate and America celebrate. They celebrate because they're celebrating because they've come out of tyranny or invasion. England were the oppressors. They were the suppressors. England have got nothing to celebrate Mm. because they suppress half of the world. And somehow they have this... suffer from this Napoleon-like complex. We did save Europe from fascism by defeating... Hitler and pushing him back. But it doesn't really others, work like that because it's not a fascist dictatorship over Europe. No, but it doesn't, it doesn't work like that because you're saying, well, well we stop that, but that doesn't mean that we didn't have involvement saying, in slavery links. I'm quite proud of it's that. not just saying because you're being ignorant, actually, Ed, oh. because there's ignorance <laughs> wow. in that because you're saying, actually, that, well, we saved it from fascism. We did do that. However, Good. you also should also acknowledge how much genocide and colonialism and theft has gone on in you this country. You said there was nothing to be proud about about mm-hmm. being English. And I'm saying when France was occupied and the... Um, the but then the you, you keep forgetting, but Ed, America you keep was out of the war, Ed, we stood alone, yes, of course. pushed back fascism no. and stopped yes, oppression did. across Europe. But you did, but you also had a lot to do with... We did. You had a lot to do with suppression across the whole of the world. You built, you built You built... No, but then are you also proud I'm of what you did? I'm proud of defeating fascism. Are you? Ed Ball sounds like some bastard, all the things he did. All the oppression, all the slavery. Are you proud of slavery links and colonialism? No, but I'm... Right, so let's no, talk about no, that. No, no, let's you talk said about there was that. nothing to be proud of. Well, I think St. George's... And I told George's, you something to be really proud of. I, no, that, that's something to be... Uh, these people are nuts, aren't they? Like, if these people ever got control, I reckon they would empty the bank accounts of every white person in the country, steal their property, their property, their cars, any land they have, in the name of reparations. These people really are nuts. They're stone-cold lunatics, these people, aren't they? And the me I suppose I'm giving some oxygen to it as well. Let's be honest about it, ironically. But the media really is dining out on this nonsense now and has been for several years. This culture wars, this woke nonsense. Lunacy. Lunacy. Let's talk about something a little bit more important than that, and that's sex education in schools in Ireland. Now, a new sex education module for the junior certificate So in Ireland, in secondary school, you do your junior certificate, usually in your third year of secondary school, you do your junior cert. It used to be called the intermediate certificate. When when I did it in 1988, yes, it was the intermediate certificate. Amazing, huh? The intercert. But um, they want to push this new education module onto children, the... A lot of parents in Ireland, and we've heard some of the parents 
from Ireland on this particular programme are aghast at the things, the themes they will be asking children to consider and to think about. The Humanist Society is delighted. We'll hear a little bit of um, News Talk, which is a radio station in Ireland. They were talking about this today. And a gentleman called Alan Whelan from the Catholic Secondary Schools Parents Association is not happy that parents haven't really been consulted. And um, he believes that this new curriculum will, um, you know, expose children to the sorts of pornography or the type of pornography that they really shouldn't be exposed to. Speaking to News Talk... Alan Whelan, the president of the Catholic Secondary Schools Parents Association. It's just symptomatic of the way this government under Norma Foley in terms of education performs. It does not consult. It drip-free feeds information. There's no way of knowing whether it's accurate or inaccurate. Uh, As parents, certainly from the Catholic sector, and that's half of the secondary schools, uh, we would expect the ethos of our schools to be uh, recognized and accepted. The, the piece in the Irish Times yesterday indicated that this was not to be the case. Now, we find this frightening. We also find it frightening that, you know, all ministers, since we were founded as Catholic Secondary Schools Parents Association in 1975, have engaged with parents as partners. This particular government has, un- well, a- Education Department under Norma Foley has not engaged with parents as partners. Okay. We find this absolutely frightening. We honestly don't know what is coming and how whatever is coming is coming in September. Teachers have not been trained. They haven't even trained teachers. Gillian Brennan is the CEO of the Humanist Society in Ireland. She thinks the Catholic Parents Association president is a bit of an idiot and she's all for this new curriculum. Well, from my perspective, I think it's, it's extremely important that as a society we teach our young people um, about gender identity and allow them a forum to talk about it. And I suppose it's, it's really about preparing children for the real world. And it isn't so much about, you know, making um, a judgment call on it and, and saying, is it right or is it wrong? Rather, it's more to prepare them for what's actually happening in the real world. And just to address the ethos um, question, I, I think that it's important that all young people should have the same education, regardless of which school or which type of um, school ethos that, that they are educated under. So it shouldn't be that, you know, if one child is going to um, a religious school, they come away learning different items than what the, the child next door, perhaps in an Educate Together school or another non-religious school. I, th- I think it's, it's, it's very, very important um, that they all get the same education. Okay. And just with regard to the consultation piece, it's my understanding from the review documents that I've read that there were almost 8,000 parents um, consulted and gave input as part of that review. So I- I'm not sure it would be correct to say that the parents weren't involved in that process. So back to the Catholic Parents Association, the president, uh, Mr. Alan Whelan. Listen to what he says here. But let's look at this issue of parents. I I actually wrote the document five years ago as a summation of something like 5,000 responses to a very wide questionnaire that was put to parents of all schools. Very, very aware of it. But issues like gender identity were not there. This whole idea, too, of teaching ethical porn was not there. These are new ideas. Well, sorry, hang on. Uh, teaching in. ethical porn. What do you mean by that? 
Well, I don't mean anything. I'd want to know what the government means about it. <laughs> I did listen to the programme that Katie Hannan ran on RTE uh, television. Yeah, the news talk presenter is dreadfully uninformed, isn't he? That's what she's been talking about, the education minister in Ireland. Ethical porn. Using ethical pornography to educate 13 and 14-year-olds in schools about gender identity and, and, and all manner of nonsense that they should be allowed, I suppose, to explore themselves in their own time when they get old enough and when they feel inclined to want to explore these issues. Ethical porn, eh? And it, to me, it, it was quite shocking what we were hearing about uh, young people, uh, girls being choked by boys yeah, yeah. because they were following things that had, had come up on their smartphones. We heard on that programme oh, Hazard oh. Tobin coming up with a solution that the French government is coming up with, namely that uh, any sort of porn for under-18s was going to be totally uh, obliterated in terms of putting responsibility on the uh, on the providers to make sure... Yeah, and, and look, many, many people might, might agree with that, but is there not an argument for um, educating uh, children about the, the hazards of porn and how that doesn't represent real life. Is there not surely an argument? And that for... is happening in... But, but isn't there also an argument not to allow adults, not to allow adults play or display pornography in front of young children? Isn't there an argument to be made that that's a very serious safeguarding issue? That adults should not be in a room with children and showing them pornographic material on a computer or on a, an overhead projector. Isn't there a safeguarding issue there? I mean, I don't have children, but if you've got a 13 or 14-year-old child, do you want a male or a female teacher watching pornography with your child? Are you not inclined? Are you not naturally bound to, uh, to think or wonder what's going on in the mind of the adult in the room with the children? It's mental, isn't it? It's beyond... That's a very crass, very base way of describing things. It's very lazy by me. Mental. I might offend somebody who is uh, undergoing mental health issues, maybe. Isn't it absolutely mental, isn't it, that, that we are here? I was given a book on sex by my mother when I was 13 or 14. That was it, basically. And then we were in secondary school anyway, so it was being discussed in biology but in a very scientific and a very clinical way. You know, here are the reproductive organs of the male, here are the reproductive organs of the female, here's the sperm, here's the egg, here we go, we have gestation, happy days, nine months later, out comes the baby. That's pretty much how it went. And surely that's simply how it should go in 2023. This is how it happens, kids. Shouldn't be the responsibility of schools to talk to children about pornography. That should be the remit of their parents and their parents only. That is my opinion. You might disagree. In about 10 minutes' time, I'm opening the telephone line and the Skype. By the way, guess who's back on the show tomorrow? He's great gas altogether. He's great, Craig. He's a lovely guy, actually. Christopher Monckton is back on the Richie Allen Show tomorrow, Wednesday. I can't wait to speak with him. It's been, God, it's been 18 months since he was on the programme. And he's always a great value, whether you agree with him or not. And many of you won't agree with him, but that's fair enough. Um, Craig points out, allegedly, about the Clintons. You're right, allegedly, I should say that, allegedly. In my opinion, 
Yes, yes, take your own medicine there, Baldy. Um, the Clinton are allegedly traffickers of children and allegedly murderers. Um, I don't disagree with what you said about Trump, Richie. However, Craig says it could be argued that what he did do was openly show how the tricks are achieved. He distracted with the one hand on social media, something the legacy media does, and while all attention was on that, went off relatively quietly to get on with other business. That's Craig. Thank you, Craig. Yes, like I said, if anybody wants to take me on on any of this, please do. Backbeat says the St. George's Day flag is actually, excuse me, the St. George's flag is the trademark of the City of London. Take a trip around that square miles perimeter and you'll see that red cross accompanied even by the twin griffins. Thank you, Backbeat. The window cleaner says, why is it okay to put up a Ukrainian flag in your front garden, but not a St. George's flag or a Union Jack? Now, you ask, why is it not okay? I'm not being devil's advocate here. I mean it when I say, I live in Salford. And I regularly see St. George's flags hanging out of windows. And not just during the football tournaments. I see them all the time. In fact, I sometimes walk down um, Langworthy Road. Sometimes I walk down Edward Avenue, which is near Buell Hill Park. Once in a blue moon, not too often. And there are at least three houses there where they display the St. George's flag proudly and prominently. So I think what you mean is... Why would somebody complain? Because I can buy that. Pe- people do tend to complain. But uh, there are no zoning laws against hanging your St. George's flag. And as an Irishman living in England, as a guest in this country, as somebody who's made his living in this country more than once over the years, I quite like it when I see people being a bit patriotic. I, I-, I do. I like it. I like to see that. When England played in the Euros last year, or the year before last, 2021, wasn't it? And, you know, when the Olympics is on, when when St. George's Day happens, I quite like it. That's my take on it. I think, good, good for you. If it's good enough for us over there in uh, Eranua, it's good enough for you as well. So Jenny says, is James O'Brien saying that anyone who is considered part of a victim group by the virtue signalers is beyond criticism, no matter what they do, or how they behave. Something along those lines, Jenny. No doubt. Um, Graham says we're freezing our nuts. That's Graham and Jackie. Freezing our nuts off up here, Richie. One degree. A chill, a wind chill. Brass, brass monkeys. Never mind long-term forecast for the coronation. Pure sunshine. Climate interfering evil feckers. Do we, do we believe that? Do we believe that when Charles is crowned officially crowned in May, which is next month, that the those who control the weather will manipulate the weather to ensure that the weather is absolutely beautiful. Do we believe that? Um, I don't know. Mark in the Caribbean says, and yet England did ban slavery. That's right. And of course, Manchester played a big part in that too. Hi to Jeff. Hi, Jeff. He says, Richie, you don't shout people down. Really? He asks, is self-awareness not your thing, Richie? Have you heard yourself screaming about Andrew Kaufman not doing well when you interviewed him? Uh, I never screamed about Andrew Kaufman not doing well. Not at all. I just said he didn't do well. When I asked him for evidence that viruses don't exist, he didn't persuade me, is the point I made. 
you know. And then he says, I recently re-listened to the Kaufman appearance on your show. Great interview, he says. Jeff, make up your fucking mind, if you don't mind. It's uh, 12 and a half minutes to the top of the year. I'll tell you what you're suffering from, Jeff. Not just you, but, but many listeners to this programme. You're suffering from a disease. And it is a very successful disease because it infects very many people. Is that you like your content creators when they are telling you what you like to hear and what you believe. But the minute they deviate away and offer up an opinion that you don't like, you lose your fucking minds. And that's a disease, my friend. That's a serious disease. It's a disease of the mind. You know, if you want echo chambers, go and find them. Somebody recently complained to me about the fact that they were kicked off the Richie Allen Show website for Holocaust denial. And amazingly, they said that they were being censored and that I was acting in a censorious manner by booting them off. Now, of course, this is absolute bollocks. I'm not censoring anybody. I determine the rules and regulations on my own website. I determine them. I decide what goes on on my website. I don't censor anybody. If you want to deny the Holocaust or if you want to go and um, antagonise or wind up any other group of people, you are welcome to do so on your own website. And I wouldn't campaign for you to be banned. God, no. I have been the loudest in defending people who I despise utterly when they were censored. People like Tommy Five Names Robinson, who I loathe with every cell in my body. I loathe the man. But when he was booted off of PayPal and suspended from Twitter and everywhere else, I said that's outrageous. I don't agree with that. And if you want to deny the Holocaust, you go off and do it on your own website. And if you get banned or you get arrested, even though I totally disagree with you, I will stand up for you and say you shouldn't be arrested, you shouldn't be jailed, you shouldn't be banned. But I decide what goes on on my website. And I made it clear on that particular issue. You want to, 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 to put stuff out there like that? By all means, do it on your own website. I'll tell you something else. I'll make a deal with you. If you want to put Holocaust denial nonsense on the Richie Allen Show website, I'll allow you to do it if you use your real name and a real photograph of you. But you won't because, well, you're a fucking coward really, aren't you? Because that's what cowards do. Isn't it? Yeah. Cowards use pseudonyms. Cowards use ridiculously stupid made-up names when they go offending people and winding people up. I use my real name and my real photograph. I'm Richie Allen, the BBG. This is the most listened-to independent news radio show in the world. The Richie Allen Show. Back in a few minutes. Don't go anywhere. Music from Madness, Our House on the Richie Allen Show. Seven and a half minutes it is to the top of the hour. Conan has been in touch to say, it must be said, Richie, a lot of your audience listens to you because you confirm what they believe. Talked about this too many times. Um, you obviously haven't been listening to me that long, Conan. He says it's an inevitability. Of course it's an inevitability. And I try to discourage it in my listeners. I've always tried to discourage it. Don't be listening. Just because you get that which you want to hear shoved back at you. Don't do that. Right? He says, play the ball. No virus theory, not the man, the proponents of said theory, as you always say. But I've always played the ball and I have had discussions with people. Kaufman wasn't the only doctor 
I discussed no virus theory with, also with nurses on this programme and other academics. I make room for everything. I even made room on this programme over the years for Holocaust denial and interviewed people who denied the Holocaust and treated them properly, even though I disagree with them. Never shied away from any of that. Um, my criticism is of, and you have to understand, you'll never know. I meet, I come up against this every day of the week. And having thick skin, it doesn't bother me because they're having a go at me. It saddens me because they'll never learn. Never. You should see the emails that came into the show last night. The language. All because I suggested that Tucker Carlson might not be the guy that some people think he is because he said what they wanted to hear for three or four years. Godlike. Tony Gosling put the other side of it. I wound down the programme yesterday by reading out a tribute to Tucker Carlson from RFK. It's balance. It's everything you don't get on the mainstream media, but it's not good enough for, for, for lots of people. It's not good enough. You know, you either agree with me on everything, Richie, or you're a shill. It doesn't work like that. Life doesn't work like that. If you approach your life with that attitude, you'll end up on your own, won't you? You'll end up on your own. In a house, on your own. See, this is not how people behave in the real world, but they behave like this online. I'm taking your telephone calls and Skypes now, by the way. If you'd like to telephone call me or Skype me, you don't have to. And if you don't, happy days. I'll piss off and have a Bacardi. It's up to you. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Now, those details, as I said, they're also on memes, and you'll find those memes on my Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash BBG Richie. It isn't my Facebook page. It's uh, run by my mate Raj, but you'll also find them on Twitter too. If you look for the media, you'll find them. So uh, get in touch with me between now and 7 o'clock if you'd like to talk to me, that is. Now, we've had a major issue here today. Let me just try something for the crack. <laughs> Let me just make sure, live on air, no sound engineer here, no editor, no producer. It's just me. Let me just make sure this is actually working. <laughs> Because it's it's been known in the past not to work. I'm going to dial myself up. Hang on. 1618182018. I'm trying myself now. Let's see. Can we can we get through to myself? Can I? Can I? No. No, I cannot get through to myself. There's something going on. There's something going down. Let me try and figure out what that is and uh, and sort it out. Why is that now? Why is that? Okay, let's try that again. Isn't that funny? Yeah, we had a major issue with the with the uh, studio today with sound in it. And I had my engineer here, Paul, my friend and engineer, but also we had engineers in Hull remotely patching in to sort it out because you can do that these days. I wouldn't have believed this when I was when I was back, when I was on radio back in the day. I never would have believed it, that it was possible to do such a thing but it is possible to do such things. Let me try and bring... If this doesn't work, I'm just throwing all my toys out of the pram. And uh, I'm walking away. He's walking away. I'm going to do a Craig David on it. I'm going to walk away. Is it working? Is it not working? No, no, it's not working. Okay, I'm going to take a tune and try and sort it out because we've got Keith in the system was trying to get through. 
We've got Dory in the system who's trying to get through. Got to try and sort this out back in a moment, hopefully with your calls on Tuesday's Richie Allen Show. Here's the Buggles, ironically, with a video killed the radio star. That's the one. Yeah, it looks like we're absolutely screwed here. The There were sound card issues here. I'm not going to get too technical because I don't understand it myself, but this is a radio studio. It's got a big mixing desk, a big, beautiful electronic mixing desk. It's got lots of computers connected to it and, and whatnot. And there was a serious problem with it this morning. It was fixed remotely and with the help of Paul. But we think fixing it remotely has messed up the sound cards. And that means that because all of this is digital, it's completely digital, it's not analogue, that I can see phone calls coming through, but we can't take them. And I'm on air and I can't do anything about it. And it's all I can do, to be honest. I've never been a diva. I've never been one to lose it. In fact, I've never lost it in an on-air situation. Ever. I just, I've never done it. But it's all I can actually do now to not lose my shit and just start screaming. <laughs> but that's very therapeutic even to even to talk about it is in some way to it's a cathartic thing isn't it I'll talk about it and then I just won't lose it but uh, it's been one of those days it really has you know I'll tell you the, 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 the real reason again you won't understand this unless you understand engineering unless you understand broadcast engineering you've seen the photographs you've seen the videos what we have here is a pretty state of the art radio studio it's excellent, right? It really is. It's far more than we need for one programme a day. Far more. But I had a meltdown last year, ripped up the old studio and went for this because I had a bit of a midlife crisis. <laughs> that, that's what I did. Two and a half years, nearly three years of COVID coverage caused me to completely lose it. So what I did was I ripped out the beautiful analogue desks that Paul Ripley had worked so hard to put together and to, to make to make sure that it was working beautifully. And I lost it and just tore it all up. Now we've got something which is akin to the bridge on the Starship Enterprise. But there's a problem with that. When you've got this level of equipment, you need to have on site, constantly, a broadcast engineer. But we don't have one. We have the amazing Paul Ripley, who's got his own life, and he runs his own radio station, and he's here all the time when he is asked and he comes out and he does an amazing job, but he can't be here all the time. And that's what's happened today. It's gone a bit Pete Tong and I can't take your calls. And I was looking forward to it because I thought today I might have needled one of you into coming on and having a proper go at me, which I need today. I need a fight. I'm not going to fight Paul. I'm not going to fight the future Mrs. Allen. The dogs would probably kill me. So there isn't anybody that can fight. So I thought we'd have a fight today over Tucker, over identity politics, over... My having a go at you, not you, the other you, because you, you seek echo chambers all the time. And then you fall out with people. You fall out with people, don't you? You know, they're fine and dandy as so long as they see things as you see them. But then when they just take a different perspective on something, you lose it. You should see, I should read the email. I could be here reading the emails till, um, till round about uh, seven o'clock, but I won't do that. It's a Tuesday show. I've got a little bit more content prepared anyway, so I might as well do that, right? And then I'm going to go and watch Ronnie O'Sullivan play play your man Luca Brussel at 7 o'clock on BBC Two, and I'm going to Bacardi the bejesus out of myself. That's a technical term, that, to Bacardi the bejesus out of yourself. 
I won't know my own name by 11 o'clock. That's how it's going to be. Just I want to wash this day off me. Off of my back. <laughs> oh, be Jesus. Yeah. Jeff has come back to say through the app, this is, this is big brave Jeff now, who had a go at me for not agreeing with Andrew Kaufman. Jeff has called me an abusive control freak. It's a shame we're not on the phones, Jeff, because we, we could have had a good row, me and you. I'm not an abusive control freak, Jeff. I just like pointing out things to people that they don't like hearing. And of course, that's a two-way thing. I'm very open-minded to be to being told when I'm a bit of an idiot and when I need to be taken down a peg or two. And believe me, I am surrounded by people who take me down a peg or two when they feel like I need it. And you know what I do when they take me down a peg or two? I, I reflect on it. I reflect on it and think, sometimes I think, yeah, yeah, you've nailed me there. Absolutely right. But I'm surrounded by people, and this is the minority, not the majority, in the independent media who are completely incapable of introspection. Is there such a, is, is there such a way of putting, putting it? Of, of, of looking inward. Maybe I do lose my mind when somebody disagrees with me. Maybe I do. Yeah, maybe I completely lose it, yeah. Um, let's read some more of these. Julia says, Richie, John Rappaport, who's a very good writer, of course, wrote a great substack about crap he's getting because he supports RFK Jr.'s run, even though he won't agree that viruses exist. You'd appreciate it. I didn't know that John Rappaport disagrees, or excuse me, I did not know that John Rappaport was a proponent of the no virus theory. I didn't know that. Uh, John Rappaport expressed to me that he didn't want to come back on the radio show ever again. I totally respect that. It was um, something I said to him during the, the last interview I did with him. Some disagreement. I was playing devil's advocate, I think. So I can't get John on to ask him about no virus theory. You see, this is how it goes, you see. Bob says, I was working near the Salisbury plane today and was wondering why an attack helicopter was flying around for about an hour or more with nothing better to do. So I gave them the bird and got on with my day. Funny, really, when everybody is concerned about CO2 and all that bollocks, says Bob. Yeah. Fantastic. Stephen says, you're losing it in your own way. It's fine. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for the empathy. I'm not losing it at all. It's not a frustrating day. And I was really looking forward to your telephone calls. We'll have to do this on Thursday now because uh, Christopher Moncton, Lord Moncton, if you please, is on the programme tomorrow to talk about climate change and all of that hysteria. Chris um, says, maybe you should play My Lovely Horse by Ted. <laughs> uh, no, because if I've annoyed people already they're really not going to appreciate it if I play My Lovely Horse because they won't get it out of their heads forever and ever and ever. Seven minutes past the hour. I'll take another tune, so I will. And um, I'll read some more comments from keyboard warriors who hide behind their keyboards is what I'll do. Right, here's uh, Prince then. God, yeah, Prince. It's been a while since we heard any Prince on this programme. He, here is When Doves Cry. Is it? Is that what it's called? When Doves Cry, yes, the way. <laughs> when
when Dove's Cry from Prince on the Richie Allen show, you might know this, you might not know, but Prince was very much interested in the writings and theories of David Icke. Did you know that? I'm not sure if David ever mentioned this during one of his podcasts, but he was invited to see Prince at the O2 in London a few years ago, went along with his son Gareth, who is a very accomplished musician and songwriter himself, Gareth. I don't mean in the Prince in the in terms of Prince's success, but Gareth's a great guy. He's, he's written some great songs. And um, they went backstage afterwards and they met Prince and found him to be a very an amiable and approachable guy. And Prince was telling David Icke how he had been reading his books since the very early 1990s and it was a great uh, pleasure to meet him. Prince, would you believe? And somebody told me that for some reason it's been in the news of late about a meeting that David Icke had with Jim Carey in Los Angeles. And I do remember that too. It was shortly before I parted company with um, DavidIcke.com. When I say I, when the programme parted company with uh, DavidIcke.com, I do remember David was speaking in Los Angeles. This is a time, of course, when David Icke or anybody else like him, even though there aren't too many like him, could speak in theatres without being cancelled by the venue because the venue was put under pressure by wokest groups of one kind or another. Remember those days when speakers could book venues and could go along and you could buy a ticket and listen to the speaker if you chose? Can't do that now. But yeah, he was in Los Angeles and he received a telephone call from from somebody connected with Jim Carey to ask would David go to have dinner with Jim Carey and he did and David Icke was never one to break confidences ever and he didn't break Jim Carey's confidence at all. All he said was that he enjoyed speaking with Jim Carey and that Jim Carey seemed to have a fair, you know, a fairly good idea as to what was coming down the line. And somebody said to me today online, but I haven't had any time to look into any of this stuff because I've been so busy. But somebody said that some news organisation has had a go at Jim Carey because he had the cheek, if you want to put it like that, to have David Icke over for dinner three or four or five. It's probably five years ago now. But I do remember. I do remember that, yes. I wonder. I reckon David Icke's days of speaking in theatres or auditoriums, I reckon they're over. What do you reckon? It's terribly depressing to even say this out loud. But I reckon those days are gone. Company reached out to me from Ireland uh, a few weeks back. Lovely people. And they're still lovely people, he says. And they said, Richie, we, we represent some entertainers and we represent some comedians you may have heard of. And I, I did, had heard of those comedians. And they said, we'd be very interested, Richie, in promoting you doing a small tour of small venues in Ireland, doing the monologue type thing that you do, the, the kind of lampooning the media. And I said, yeah, I'd be interested in that. You know, at least talking about it anyway. But I said to the people involved, I said, look, in the current climate, it is unlikely that you would be able to find a venue that would accept the, the booking. And it turns out that I was right. Because it's kind of gone nowhere. I was going to do a very small tour in 2020, ironically. I 
got it together in 2019. I was going to do a tour or a very small tour, very small tour of small venues here in the UK just for a break, maybe a six week thing, maybe a four week thing. And that was all, it was, it was almost done really. I'd been working with a promoter here and we 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 got some venues. We thought, great, yeah, we'll do that. It'll be nice. I was very nervous about it. Never done anything like that at all. And then the COVID thing happened and that went by the wayside. And I thought about doing it again in 2024, but securing a venue next to impossible. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to stay in good form here. You're trying to stay in good form, Baldy. And yet you're dropping all this depressing stuff on us. I mean, to anybody who's ever been to see a David Icke talk, it's a very impressive thing. I mean, I was never a big fan of the the 10-hour talks, partly because even though I'm, I, I possess a pretty decent concentration level, I found it was too long. In fact, I said as much to David Icke many a time, and then later on, he scaled the talks down to three-hour evening talks, didn't he? Which I believe were, were, were a great success. But I reckon those days are gone now. You know? Or am I wrong? Am I being pessimistic? Am I wrong? Will venues and the owners of venues have the courage, maybe facing closure, maybe, because of lockdowns and because of the economic devastation caused by the tyranny of lockdowns? Maybe venue owners will have the courage, they will have the fortitude to say to the snowflake groups and the you know, the, the activists and the, 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 what are they called, these idiots, Antifa, maybe they'll say, well, no, no, why don't you fuck off, you know? No, we will book whomever we decide we want to book. And if you don't like it, you can go and piss up against the wall, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm being pessimistic. And these venues will, will, um, you know, stand up to it. Because if they don't, right... Uh, hi to Tarek, who says, Richie, I don't know if you will get to read this while I'm reading it. I'm listening to your show through the app. It's great you have one now. I'm listening whilst working from home for a digital bank. Keep doing what you are doing and pay no mind to the haters. Some of them don't know. But again, I'm being misunderstood here. I am not being wound up or paying mind to any haters. I don't see them as haters. I'm trying to help them to move beyond that, that that state of mind where you become upset or annoyed or where you fall out with somebody because they just don't see things as you see them. And that's a theme I've returned to many times on the programme over the years. And apparently it's been confirmed that John Rappaport is a proponent of the no virus theory. That's good for John, he said. Experienced journalist, I'm sure he means it. And is he right? He might be, I don't know. It's not something I would bank on. I've said this before on the show, I wouldn't bank on it. I would not put a fiver on that being true, to be honest with you. And I'm basing that purely on personal experience. I'm not a doctor, not a scientist. I'm not a biologist, I'm not a virologist. Um, Isabel says, you don't need to play my lovely horse for to stick in one's head. It started to play in my head. The minute, you mo- the minute you mentioned it, said Isabel, it should have been used in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> they would have confessed. Charlie asks me, why have I never had Tommy Five Names Robinson? I interviewed Tommy Robinson famously two times when I was on Talk Radio Europe in Spain. 
On the second occasion I interviewed him, so annoyed was he by my questioning that he hung up. The fool was stupid enough to talk about Muslims beating up their women. And I said, Tommy, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. And he hung up because he didn't like it. They don't like it when you send it up them, you see. Um, I would have Tommy Robinson on this programme, of course, if Tommy Robinson wanted to be on it. But I won't be extending him an invitation uh, because I know he won't come on. But if he wanted to come on, fair enough. Everybody's welcome on this programme. Hi to Adam. Uh, hi, Adam. I've given the answer to that many times. I'm not answering it again. I uh, really appreciate your uh, message, though. And Gillian says, Richie, I met you at the Isle of Wight Medina Theatre at David's first White Awake show. Gillian, I met a lot of people that day, uh, most of whom hadn't a clue who I was. That, that was probably you. But um, that was a really interesting uh, chat, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, um, talk, that particular talk. Right, I'm looking at the time here. It's 22 minutes past the hour. Let me do this back in a moment. To all the listeners who have become loyal customers of Immunex 365 since we launched in October last year, we would like to say a big thank you. Because of your continued support, we have been able to introduce our second product. This unique supplement is formulated specifically to reduce pain caused by joint inflammation. Our organic turmeric-based supplement contains a substantial amount of the active ingredient curcumin, as well as a black pepper extract which massively increases its bioavailability and thereby reaching the inflamed area faster. If you are suffering from joint pain, go to NutraHealth365.com for specific details on how our joint health supplement can help give you relief. That's NutraHealth365.com with free tract delivery. 22 minutes past the hour then. Tell you we'll keep it going for another 5 or 6 minutes then I will take my leave of you today. Christopher Moncton is on the programme tomorrow. All going well. Gillian came back to say she was the person with the bindi with a bindi burning sage Gillian that could have been anybody down there there were a few new agers down there there were a few new agers down there I do remember that on the Isle of Wight and no harm in that either no harm in that um, either yeah okay so communication problems if you're just uh, joining the programme had a pretty mad day today technical wise few problems Managed to get the sound issues sorted with uh, the help of Paul and with uh, the help of Mark in Hull. But um, we can't take telephone calls and Skype calls today. So apologies to everybody who tried to get through. It's just one of those, you know. And I would ask you to bear in mind, I have never played the martyr ever in eight years. Please bear in mind. I produce 10 hours of live radio a week. Did you hear Tucker Carlson earlier on bragging to the BBC that he does five hours of live uh, broadcasting a week? But Tucker Carlson would have a team of about a dozen people working for him. Around about a dozen, maybe eight, maybe nine. There's nobody here. The, the, the monologue you heard earlier on with all the audio in it and all of the notes, I did that. Spent hours doing it today. The uploads to the website, I did that today. The six articles that appeared on the Richie Allen Show website, I did that today, about half six in the morning this morning. I source the guests. I do all of that. Um, I drive the studio during the live show. There is me and only me. So please keep this in mind. I, I think it's a, a, something that's lost on people. Some people. And again, there's no martyrdom here. The Richie Allen Show is produced, edited and presented by me. There is nobody else.
Yes, of course, Paul is here to help me with technical things when I'm off air from time to time, and thank God for him. We wouldn't be here without him. But everything else, the production of the show, the editorial, is me. It's just me. That's an enormous undertaking. I wish you knew just how, how crazy that is. Ten hours of it a week. You know, the Sunday morning melodies, that takes quite a lot of production as well. Researching and whatnot. So please keep that in mind. It's mostly fun. But lately it's not as much fun as it used to be. Alright? It's just not as much fun as it used to be lately. And I reckon the last three years has got a lot to do with that. You know, the shock of it. I'm in shock. Are you in shock? I'm, in, I'm actually in shock, I think. I don't think I, until recently, I don't, I don't think I've given enough consideration to that. I'm actually in a state of shock. And I mean medical shock, possibly, because of what's gone on in the last three years. What I've witnessed, what you've witnessed, the things happening around me, the, the way people behaved, Stepford Wife stuff, you know, you know, those science fiction movies we saw where people became possessed by aliens and they started to act in weird and bizarre and strange ways. We've, we've borne witness to this in the last three years and this had a profound effect on me, an incredibly profound effect on me. I, I believe I'm in shock. You don't do what I did la- last July unless you're in shock. You don't do that. You don't, you know, destroy a radio studio and then frantically you know, try to rebuild it again from, from the ground up. Are you in shock? Has it impacted upon you in that way? Do you find yourself getting a bit anxious? I, I don't find myself getting a bit anxious. Not day to day. I'll, te- I'll tell you where I have become a bit more anxious. And I spoke to somebody about this and, and they said to me, you know, somebody who knows about these things, and they said maybe the last three years play, has played some part in this. I'm a bit more nervous when I'm on the motorway than I ever was, and I'm a, you know, a reasonably confident, reasonably comfortable driver. But I find myself nervous on the motorway. Not nervous to the point where it's affecting my driving, but I'm anticipating things that probably won't happen. It's had an effect on every one of us, I think. It's definitely made, I can't speak for everybody, but it has definitely made us a little bit less patient, a little bit more irritable, I think. Is that one of the uh, one of the gains? Is that one of the wins for those who are you know who who basically drove the agenda, driving the agenda? Is that one of the the the, the, the takeaways? Is that we've become a bit more stressed, a bit more irritable? We, we don't sleep as well, you know. There's that feeling of impending not not impending doom not like the climate mongers but that feeling that unsettling feeling that there's more to come and then how can you live like that you can't live like that can you you can't go around waiting for the sword of damocles to appear over your head not to to fall on you but to appear you can't live like that there's more to life than living like that but i i i reckon i'm in shock a little bit I don't know about you, how you feel about that. Maybe we'll talk about this on a phone-in. The impact it's had on, on people. We, we talk about the impact it's had on children. We talk about the impact that it's had on the perplexed, those who were not alive to these agendas. We, that's you and me, have been alive to these agendas for years, haven't we? Years and years. But yet we never talk 
about these agendas and how they have impacted our state of mind, our well-being. And I don't want to go on mainstream media now and start talking about my mental health because my mental health is pretty strong. But I reckon I'm in shock. And I reckon maybe I'm not alone, maybe. I don't know what you think about that. Let me get rid of that. <laughs> Did you ever do that? I've dragged a song into the playout system that um, I realised I don't want to play. So um, so that's it. Right. Um, I'm taking my leave of you now because that is my want. I'm sorry about the phone-in, but um, shit happens. And then it happens again. And you just, you just got to improvise, adapt and overcome. I'll be back with you tomorrow at five o'clock. Until then, 